Welcome into the Burger Smokehouse, PowerMizzou.com dance class. Our regular, now non-echoing Missouri basketball post-game show. The Tigers 75-70 winners over Kentucky tonight in a game that honestly went almost exactly the way that we talked about it would before the before the game on the pregame show. Missouri was a better team, significantly better in the first half. Missouri led this game for 39 minutes and 7 seconds. They never trailed. They led for the final 37-25. Now, Kentucky kept making runs. They get back within three, get back within one, get back within four, and then Missouri would stretch it back out. And then we talked postgame. In the final five minutes, Missouri has always found ways to win this year, almost always. In the final five minutes, Kentucky has almost always found ways to lose this year. It's exactly what happened tonight. This was a three-point game with 4.53 to go. And then Kentucky just didn't do anything for more than three minutes. And, and when I say didn't do anything, I mean, that is not an exaggeration. Uh, at 3.53, I'm sorry, at the 4.53 mark of the second half, Davion Mintz made a dunk to make it 68-65 Missouri. Kentucky's next points came on a dunk by Isaiah Jackson with a minute 50 to go to cut the lead to seven. So Missouri went on a 6-0 run over three minutes and three seconds from the 4.53 mark to the 150 mark. Ball game. That's why Missouri is, you know, 11 or 12-3 and three now. It's why Kentucky is 5-11. and 11. I mean, that's all there is to it. Um, the final five minutes of that game, Missouri made enough plays to win. And they got them from all over. I mean, Drew Smith made a bunch of winning plays. Mitchell Smith made a bunch of winning plays. Mark Smith made some huge plays. X Pinson made some. Tillman made some. Parker Brown made some in the first half. And you'll hear Conzo talk about this. We just finished up his post-game press conference, and I'm going to play that for you here in just a couple minutes like we always do here to start the show. And after his press conference, we will open up the uh, Skype line and we'll take your guys – we'll put the number on the screen and we'll take your guys' calls and we'll talk about it. But you'll hear Conzo talk about this. He says, maybe some teams have enough pieces that they don't need all their guys. He said, but we need all our guys. We're a different team if Pickett's out. We're a different team if Mitchell Smith's out. We're a different team if this guy's out. This team, more than any team I remember seeing at Missouri since, I don't want to say Frank Hayes' first team because there were only six of those guys. There weren't really roles to play. Probably since Mike Anderson's Elite Eight team that had Damari Carroll and Leo Lyons leading the way. J.T. Tiller and uh, Zaire Taylor playing defense, Matt Lawrence shooting threes, Kim English, Marcus Denman off the bench, Matt Pressey off the bench. This team, more than any other Missouri team since that one, they know their roles. They've figured it out. Uh, it's not going to be the same leading scorer every night, but it's going to be either Drew Smith, Xavier Pinson, or Jeremiah Tillman. Mark Smith has to make a few shots here and there. Mitchell Smith has to rebound and play defense. Kobe Brown preferably is going to give you more than he gave you tonight, but we've seen him do that as he did in the TCU game when uh, Conzo called him the MVP. This team doesn't really have a superstar. I don't even it, it, Jeremiah Tillman's their best or their most important player is he their best player? I'm not sure. 
Some nights it's Drew Smith, some nights it's Xavier Pinson. But this team is playing its role incredibly well. And it's why in 15 games, they've won 12 times. It's why they're alone in second place in the Southeastern Conference and the only team that has any chance to catch Alabama, which comes to town on Saturday morning. So before we get too deep into this and and breaking this one down, I want to let you hear from Conzo Martin after the ball game. And uh, then we will come back. We'll take your comments. We'll take your calls. We'll take your questions. We'll talk all about it here on the Burger Smokehouse dance class. But here's the head coach. Uh, you know, great win, man. Anytime you can beat a, a talented team, not only a team with talent, uh, great coaching, but also great history. Uh, you know, a lot goes with beating a program like that when you when you try when you trying to become that. Um, um, so again, I'm, I'm happy for our guys. We won a game. Uh, we knew they were talented, and, and I'm, I'm happy our guys didn't take them for granted. You know, we knew they were a talented team, well coached team, um, and they showed it tonight. And, and, and it's a um, good thing we were at home because they played well. Questions for coach. Eric Blum. Conzo drew with, I think, 26 tonight. Just, I mean, I've said in the past that, I mean, he plays quietly, but what about his game excited you tonight? Well, he just, he was assertive. I, I think every, I think, you know, after we got on him, and I necessarily got on me and chewing him out, but just talk to him about being aggressive offensively. Before we play, I think it was Texas A&M. He, he's been assertive offensively, and that's what we need. I mean, just, I, I, again, I didn't understand why he wasn't aggressive, but we need him to be aggressive. Just happened to be 26 tonight, but he does a lot of other things. He gets in the paint, he makes plays, he gets other guys involved, he gets to the free throw line. It just, I'm happy you played well. And, and, and they know, man, for me, like X hit 36, Tim hit 33. That, that's not necessarily my gauge, the points, it's other things. Uh, you know, him, him late in games, go get the ball. You know, he and X need to have the ball in their hand to execute what we're trying to do, and I thought he did that. Dave Matter. Sounds I know you said earlier in the week you've been challenging Mitchell to, to give you guys more. You really needed him tonight with the fouls. What you think of his what what he gave you for some rebounds? I thought Mitch was good and, and I even thought the, the threes that he missed were good shots, you know, so uh, but we need that, and I think you know him playing well because I thought he defended, I thought he rebounded the basketball well, kept balls alive. That's great for us because we need that. We need him to be a guy that can, can make shots from the perimeter. Now we just get a couple more to go down. I think we, it takes us to another level as a team. But I thought he played an overall good game. Sawuchi? Just looking at the box score, a lot of threes in the first half, lot, no, not many free throws, and then kind of the flip in the second half, I guess. What, what did you kind of see in the difference there? I think it's really what what was presented because I thought our guys were aggressive. I thought we did a great job of getting in paint. We 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 kind of met our numbers, so to speak, as far as paint touches, whether it's via post, offensive rebounds, or drive. So I thought we got that. But again, I hadn't watched the film, but I thought we had kickouts for threes. But um, but I thought those threes were open too because of penetration. So if if, if they're what we practice, I'm okay with it. Colin O'Brien. Yeah, Conzo, just Drew's poise at the free throw line tonight when the team wasn't shooting very well in the first half. What does he bring night in and night out, that calm presence? Experienced guard who's battle-tested. Uh, he competes, and he gives it up on both sides of the ball. I just think the thing about it tonight, you just see the 26 points, but I, I think his effort overall is always good. I mean, he had 26 points, five assists, one turnover, <clears throat> excuse me, seven rebounds, 14 free throws. Those, those are impressive numbers.
Mitchell Forty. Conzo, there were a lot of times in that second half where Kentucky was able to, to cut it to a one possession game, but you always kind of found an answer. I guess just you know, what does that kind of say about the team? <laughs> we, we, I guess somewhat we're lucky, but just you know, just like for example, and I thought Mitch played a good game. We're up 68-63, and he tries to pass the X, just kind of casually pass, they get a steal. That can't happen, especially when we're talking in the huddle, they're getting in the passing lanes, either go back door, move the ball the other way. Uh, but th those are the things just consistently do. But I, we experienced enough. We, we've seen a lot of things that we, we've done a good job as of late of taking care of the basketball. It just, yeah, just, you know. And we knew, we knew uh, early how they would defend Tilly, sending a double from the top, from the baseline. Um, and we just got to get other production. I thought Mitch helped out in a lot of ways. I thought Parker gave us big minutes as well. Gabe? You laugh about being lucky, but this team has found a ton of different ways to win games, especially in the last five, six minutes. Uh, you know, what, what's what's the common thread there that, that has allowed you guys to do that? I think, you know, uh, they they understand that it's, it's hard to be successful. They, they, they understand that. And, and when you have a majority of your guys that have been through a lot, some bumps in the roads, they, they've learned some valuable lessons. Um, and I just think, you know, they, they have a passion for each other. They, they, they really, I, I think this is a team that really could care less who gets to, who leads in scoring, who does all that. I mean, I think they can care less about that. And, and they've gotten to a point where they're able to challenge each other. And I think that part, that's where the biggest growth has come. They can challenge each other where it's not personal. Dave Matter? Conzo, there are a lot of fouls in this game during some stretches and a game where maybe you guys could lose composure a little bit. What do you think you the way you guys handled some of those situations. It's part of the game. You, you, you're talking about a very talented, two, two talented teams, you know, physical guys. I mean, then one of those games with a lot of big guys on the floor. So you're talking about physical bigs that, that it's a lot of banging around that rim. You have to give the officials credit because that's not an easy game to official, officiate because it's so much physical play in and around the rim. Mitchell Forty. Conzo, Mark uh, hit a few big shots, three threes, I think, and then he had that two after y'all hadn't scored, a, made a field goal in about four minutes in the second half. I guess just what, what can you say about him kind of, you know, staying poised and, and ready and, uh, and pulling that off tonight? It's good. It's good to see him knock shots down. I, and I thought he had one where he missed one. I thought it was a great look for him, and, and, and I was happy he stepped up and shot it. But I, I thought the drive was a good one, too, because he, he had his composure. He's a strong driver, and oftentimes Mark has a tendency to push off on that type of drive, but he kept his composure, got his balance, knocked it down. And that was a big shot, and it was much needed. Colin? Yeah, Conzo, this is about the halfway point of SEC play. Just what are you most proud of this team at this point in the season? You know, um, I, I think outside of the basketball part, I'm, I'm – they, they, they've been true professionals in, in dealing with, you know, COVID virus and staying out of harm's way, uh, giving up certain things as far as family time, all those things that you, you, that are normal in order to be successful as a team and, and try to play games as a team. So they've made a true commitment as a team. So you have to respect that. Now, on the floor, man, they, they're experienced enough. We're healthy enough. So that makes we, that means we're good enough. So I, I, I felt like if we were healthy enough, and you have all your parts, you have a chance to be a good team. So I think that that's it. But you know, I, I just, I just, I'm, I'm happy to see these guys win, especially the guys that have been here, because I, I saw the work that they put in, you know, over the years, and we just didn't have enough. And uh, to see them having success, I'm happy for them. Jack Sobel. 
Conzo, going back to Drew, what's his consistency on both sides of the ball meant to this team over the course of the season? Uh, it's, it's valuable. I mean, it's but, but again, and you're asking about Drew, so I have to answer when it comes to Drew because uh, he plays on both ends. He competes. He gets gets rebounds. He assists. He's a point guard. He's a two guard. He'll, he'll guard other teams' best guard or maybe a wing guy. But but his value is just as much as whatever Javon's value is to our team. You know, it just every, everybody has a role to play in, in order for us to be successful because we're not we're not the same team without Javon. We're not the same team without Expensive. We're not the same team without Jeremiah. So everybody plays a part in what we do. And maybe some other teams have – so much with what it doesn't matter who's out, but we, we need all of our parts to be successful. Mason. Hey coach. So it's been scored nearly a third of the team's points tonight. What are your thoughts on how that group played as a whole tonight? The bench? I thought they did good. I mean, I, like I said, I thought Parker hit a big three. I thought uh, Mitch got big rebounds. Mark played well. I mean, again, they're talented guys, and I, I think there's way more that we can get from you know, Mitch and Parker, no doubt in my mind as, as a staff, we feel there's, there's still more, a lot more in those two guys that we have to get from them. But I mean, Mark, Mark can make shots. I mean, you're talking about the guys that started that's coming off the bench, so I'm not surprised with Mark. Joel? Hey, Coach, uh, Tillman didn't exactly have 33 and 11, but can you kind of describe his, his the, just the impact of his presence being there? I mean, it was never a time, I think, where they weren't doubling him, so. Well, the, the thing is, and you know, it, it, with him being double, and now you're talking about guys that are doubling with size. So the guy that's defending him already has size and strength. Now you bring the guy to double with size, length, athleticism that can block shots. Then you know they rotate out of well. So and it came from the baseline. It come from the top. So he came at them different ways, uh, and I thought he, he got he got rushed a little bit. I thought sometimes it was one on one. Just take your time, make your moves. I thought he, I thought he rushed it a little bit, but give them guys credit for you know sending length, athleticism, giving them different looks, uh, and that's part of it. But but again, you you're able to get other opportunities when he's being defended that way. Just other guys have to step up and make shots. All right, so there is Conzo Martin after the 75-70 Missouri win over Kentucky, just second time in school history. Missouri has beaten Kentucky. We put up some of the uh, some of the key numbers over there to my right, and, and really, I mean, second chance points in in that first half. Missouri was all over the offensive glass. Second chance points, all eleven of their second chance points were in the first half. Um, they built that thirteen point halftime lead largely on the boards. 19 points off turnovers. Kentucky only scored seven off Missouri's turnovers. We had an interview in the pregame show uh, with Justin Rowland from CatsIllustrated.com. He told us, look, if Kentucky has to sit down in a half-court offense, they can't do it. They're not good. They've got to score in transition. They didn't score in transition. Um, not much, anyway. Uh, Missouri got more points off the Kentucky mistakes than Kentucky got off Missouri mistakes, largely because Kentucky made more mistakes, which is what they have done all year um that game is only surprising if you let the names on the front of the jerseys distract you because that game is exactly how both of these teams have played all year so a couple things um up in the right hand corner there burger smokehouse that's our sponsor for this show every single game uh every post game show sponsored by burger smokehouse third and fourth generation family owned and operated out of california missouri you can get their stuff all over uh you can get it at schnooks high v Gerbs, Price Chopper, all over the state. I actually picked up uh, some bacon today. Can use that 
over the weekend. So uh, I highly recommend that. Uh, I've still got some pulled pork and some ribs in the in the freezer that we'll pull out at some point. Maybe uh, maybe for Super Bowl Sunday. We'll see how that goes. Um, but Burger Smokehouse, make sure to support them. They have supported us all year, football and basketball season, make what we're doing here possible. The other thing you can see down there, the phone number, 573-234-4935. The Skype line is open. We'll take your calls. We'll talk about whatever you guys want to talk about. This show is always far better when we're talking about what you want to talk about rather than just me babbling on about what I want to talk about. Uh, we're going to start with what you guys have been talking about here in the comments. And it, it seems largely to be focused on the two on two of the three Smiths tonight and, and not the one who was, was the standout in Drew Smith. But we're talking a lot about Mitchell Smith and Mark Smith. And, and Todd Julian puts it... I think pretty well. Mitchell Smith is one of our best players, and then he shoots it. Um, yeah, and we will get to that in just a minute, but we're going to go to the phone line first, and we're going to go to the uh, 815 area code. Who am I talking to? What's up, Gabe? It's Ron. What's up, Ron? How you doing, man? Doing okay. Doing okay. Um, I, I know that uh, especially that second half was, uh, was kind of ugly at times, but, you know, I – I know you said like right before or right after Congress presser, like you shouldn't really be surprised if you take the names off the front of the Jersey. But right. I think as fans, like I don't think you should apologize and feel bad about only being Kentucky by five, even if it's not a good Kentucky team. Like they've had this number ever since they joined the SEC. So a win is a win against, uh, against the Wildcats. hundred uh, percent. I mean, Missouri is now two and 13 against Kentucky all time. And look, you better go beat Kentucky while they're down. Like, you don't let them mm -hmm. up off the mat because they're not going to be down a lot. This is probably going to be the worst Kentucky team you're going to see in a while. And you don't apologize for that. You just beat them and go on about your way. And that's what Missouri did today. Yeah, no doubt about that. And um, I, I know he's uh, he was kind of the whipping boy tonight. But um, I you can't take Mitchell Smith off the floor. He was – he was incredible tonight, and while I uh, I kind of screamed at my TV every time he was chucking up three after three after three, yeah. he did like pretty much everything else you'd want him to do in that game. Like they, I didn't win that game without him because he was yeah. crashing the boards, he was taking charges, and he's been like the epitome of a Conzo glue guy, and he's been big all season. But tonight, especially so. Yeah, I'm about, I'm about two thirds of the way through my post game thoughts, and and I just had one sentence on Mitchell Smith. I said Mitchell Smith should never be allowed to shoot the ball. Ever, but he made a lot of really big plays tonight. I mean, I, you know, at, at some point, like, I get it. Mar Martin keeps saying they're good shots. And, yes, in the offense, a college basketball player, you want him to take those shots. But, like, at some point, you have to understand there is a reason I'm standing all alone out here, right? I, mm -hmm. You know, him and Kobe Brown should not shoot three-pointers. They do many things that help this team win, but that is not one of them. Right. So. Right, and, and just um, kind of wrap up. Um, uh, and speaking of doing everything, everything uh, you, you'd ask uh, someone to do, uh, Drew Smith, like again, yeah. maybe the quietest twenty-six uh, points I've, I've ever seen. But it seemed like every time, like they needed a bucket, every time Kentucky rallied close, he made a, a big shot or, or drew a foul. Um, and uh, yeah, again, we, I think we talked about in the, in the past, if, you know, X and, and Tillman. Um, and Drew, if at least two of those guys play well, I don't really know if either of X or, or Tillman had a particularly good game, but Drew kept them afloat 
Um, so just my, my parting question to you on my way out, um, since I'm not all that familiar with the history of Mizzou basketball, uh, where does Drew Smith kind of rank in the the pantheon of, of Mizzou guards or is he, because they haven't made the tournament, is he even like in consideration for some of the better guards of, of, uh, in Mizzou basketball history. Yeah, I mean, let's see where this team ends up this year. I mean, don't get me wrong. If they go to a Final Four, this is the most – they're all the most beloved players in school history. But um, mm-hmm. he's – you know, he, he transferred in. He's a two-year player. Um, hadn't played on a tournament team yet. Uh, like, he's a good player, but but nobody's going to put him in there with, the, you know, with a Melvin Booker or even like a Brian Grower or Clarence Gilbert or I, – I mean, he just – you know, whatever the number, he's been a heck of a player for Missouri. And you know what Drew Smith is? He's the dude that when when the when the twenty somethings and the and the teenagers and the college kids come in the rec center, and and are are, are dunking and are are doing everything, he's the forty two year old white dude that just comes off and hits a bunch of bunch of set shots, and all of a sudden these young guys are walking off going, "How that dude beat us." Like I don't get it. <laughs> nothing he does yeah, is flashy, yeah, but it works. So exactly, exactly. I imagine he's a, a, a probably pain for everyone else. Uh, yeah. On the other team, like man, like we could shut down this dude. Uh, no, you can't because uh, he he finds a way to beat you. So hundred percent. Anyway, uh, thanks. Uh, Thanks for doing what you do, Gabe. Talk to you later. All right, Ron. Thanks for the call, man. We're going to go uh, stay on the phone lines. We got the 314 area code. Appreciate you hanging on, man. Who am I talking to? Hey, this is Jake. What's up, Jake? How are you, man? I'm doing well. Hey, I've got two things. Talking about the bigs tonight. Obviously, Jeremiah Tillman had a decent game. Yep. You know, he was facing double teams all night. I just feel like you got to get more out of Kobe Brown in a game like this. You know, it just looked like he was not in it from the start. Uh, you know, he gets that three blocks by Isaiah Jackson, yeah. and then he goes in, gets a foul. And you he just had a bunch get of more fouls. out of him, I feel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, I, the flip side of, like, Conzo's talking about, you know, and we're talking about this team doesn't have a star, right? It can be a different guy every night. The flip side is you're going to usually have a guy that you just go, well, what happened to him tonight? And that guy tonight was Kobe Brown. I mean, he, he gave them nothing. And in – why did Parker Brown have five points in the first half and give them some good minutes and keep them afloat? And why did Mitchell Smith have 11 rebounds? Well, because those guys had to do it because Kobe Brown was largely on the bench because he gave them absolutely nothing tonight. So, you know, now last game, Kobe Brown was huge, and Conzo said he thought he was the MVP. So I think it kind of goes with what we're talking about with this team is the balance. You never know who it's going to be, but it has almost always been somebody. I completely agree. And on Parker Brown, you see the skill set there. You see where he's able to yeah. do on the offensive end. And you watch him on defense, and you can almost look like he's not looking at the scouting report. <laughs> you know, he goes yeah. against Lance Ware, who is only left-handed and sits on his left shoulder, not forcing him to use his right hand. Whereas Tillman comes in, Ware tries to go left shoulder, and he, or left hand, and he can't get there because Tillman's just riding his right shoulder. And I think that's a lot of Parker's problem sometimes. Yeah, and I think we, we fall in love with offense, right? And you can see Parker's uh, – he's got some leaping ability. He's got a nice jump shot at 6'10", whatever, 6'9", however big he is. And and people fall in love with that and say he should be, should be playing more. But then you point out the exact reason he's not. I, I mean, because to play for Conzo Martin, you cannot be a net – 
even player, right? For every point you score up, you can't get you score you can't give up a point on the other end. Um, he so, but again, he's a guy who tonight that's his role. I think it's six minutes on a night where you need it. It's not he's not a twenty five minute guy, and I, I'm not sure that he ever will be. He certainly won't be if he doesn't doesn't uh, you know get better on the defensive end. But I think. On this team this year, that's his role, is what he did tonight. Come in, hit a couple shots, knock a ball around, don't kill us on defense for four minutes while we sit Jeremiah or sit Mitch or whoever it might be. I agree, and that's why Pickett plays so much, is he's able to do the little things that Martin asked him to be. Yeah. And the last thing I got is, you know, we look at Kim Palm, we look at adjusted offense, adjusted defense, and stuff like that. This team just is good at one thing, it's just winning games. Yeah. And they win games that completely different ways, and that's all that really matters in the end. Yep. It's not how well you look, as if a win's a win's a win. I I have said the way I have phrased it in in and I think I even posted this on the message board, but I know I've told friends of mine this. I said I don't know what this team is really good at, other than scoring more points than the other team almost every night. Um, and and in the end, that's all that matters. Like they're not winning the eyeball test, they're not winning beauty contests but they keep scoring more points than the other team, which is much better than you look at Kentucky getting off the bus and think it's a good team, but they keep doing everything that's just enough to lose every time out. So there's something to be said for battle-tested and experienced and and just finding a way to get it done. I mean, it, it, it is in the back of your head. It worries you, hey, if can they do this six times in a row? I don't know. They've done it 12 times out of 15, and a lot of times I get I get to the end of the game and say, hmm, not really sure how they did that, but they did do it. Well, the most confidence you got to have is one night in the tournament game, they can shoot like they did in the first half, possibly, and the next night they can come out and win a game like they did against Bradley. They right. can win it either style, and that helps a lot in the tournament. Yeah, totally agree. Um, and, uh, you know, they've shoot, they're, they're winning 80% of their games, uh, got a huge one on Saturday, and I, who knows? I, I mean, I wouldn't bet against him against Alabama this weekend. Absolutely. Thank you. All right, Jake. Appreciate the call, man. Thanks for uh, for being part of the show. And, and any of you guys out there who want to be a part of the show, there's the number, 573-234-4935. Give us a call, and we will – the calls always take priority. Uh, I'm going to jump through, you know, some of the comments, uh, but the calls always take priority. And uh, we were we were talking Todd's comment about Mitchell Smith kind of led us right into uh, right into the phone calls and and had some Mitchell Smith talking. Now we're moving on to the other Smith, and that's Mark. And uh, David Newman puts it puts it pretty well. And and let's go uh, nine oh eight area code. Who's on the phone? What's up, Gabe? It's Schiff. What's up, Schiff? How you doing, man? Did you watch tonight, or are you covering the Nets? Uh, they played the Clippers last night. I was able to watch about three-quarters of the game before I had to hop off for a phone interview uh, for another story. So I'm hoping my question is actually intelligent, and the one quarter I missed doesn't make me look like a fool for asking it. Okay. Um. What did you think of Jeremiah Tillman's game? You know, the, the, the time I watched, it seems like they, they really doubled and tripled him in the post. And, I mean, Olivier Saar is, is a pretty experienced big yeah. compared to, to most guys. I want to say he's a grad transfer, too, so he's probably yeah. one of the only guys Tillman battled that might have played more minutes than him. Um, you know, it looked like they had him on some lobs and that he, he there was a lot of plays he couldn't execute, but he was right there for. Mm-hmm. But, um. 
But uh, I, I thought that Kentucky, honestly, did probably, and again, obviously I haven't watched every game, but I thought Kentucky did a pretty good job not really making him a factor for the most part. But again, maybe yeah. maybe the, the one part I missed, I, I, I should have watched. No, I think, he, I think he had eight points and six rebounds maybe, and uh, he fouled Sar out of the game, so that, that helped. But this was a game that, like, if you look at the box score, you go, eh, Tillman wasn't what he usually is. But it was one of those games where kind of like he was the guy that attracted all the attention, right? Everything Missouri was able to do, they were able to do because it everything in Kentucky's game plan was don't let that guy beat us. Um, so he almost just became the best decoy by occupying two guys pretty much every time he touched the ball or every time it looked like he might touch the ball, which then opens up Mark Smith to score 11 or opens up Mitchell Smith to get five offensive rebounds or whatever. So numbers-wise, it doesn't look great, but I I still think uh, on the list of reasons Missouri won tonight, he's probably second right behind Drew Smith. Gotcha. And what what do you make of this recent uptick in three point shooting? Are you a believer that that they might have turned a corner there, or is it, or you need a larger sample sample size to be a believer? Well, I mean, I I saw I've seen a game and a half where they shoot well, versus you know like thirty five to forty where they don't. Um, I mean, look, Pinson made a third of his three point shots in a single game on Saturday. Like that's not sustainable. Yeah, um, I they might. I think your hope is in the NCAA tournament, you run into one night where you're that hot, right? Like basically to do what this team wants to do, you got to win four games. So on one of those four games and preferably not in the first round against like a 14 seed, hopefully you don't need it then. But in one of those other three games, you hope, Hey, we come out and we go 11 for 21, you know, or something along those lines. And that's what gets us to the next round. Cause they can win a game that way, but it's not a formula for them to win games, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Before I let you go, I got a two-part thing on on Alabama this Saturday. Um, One, what do you think will be a bigger deal in Tuscaloosa if they were to win the league or whatever big-name recruit they get that day? Not even a question. Um, That's what I thought. And and two, just if they were to beat Alabama, I guess, what does it do for your expectations for the rest of the season? Having covered them the past two years and not really paying attention last year, I mean, they haven't won a tournament game in years. To me, if they just get to the round of 32, that's, that's a yes. good year. But um, to me, if they beat Alabama, then I start to think more about maybe the bar is a sweet 16 and then see who's waiting for you in the next round. Well, I mean, the bar is win a tournament game. They haven't done it in 10. Ele- yeah. I, I think it'll be 11 years by the time the tournament rolls around. So if they make it to round two and they get beat, Even if it's an upset, it'll be a little disappointing, but like they've done, the program has moved forward. So Saturday's game doesn't change that for me. Saturday's game really only means one thing. It means, is there one team in this league who can maintain any shred of hope that they can catch Alabama in the standings? And Missouri probably can't, but they're the only team in the league with with fewer than four losses. Uh, So if they beat Alabama, they're two games behind, and... You know, theoretically, like you could see him maybe doing enough to win a tiebreaker, even though I don't see Bama losing three times. Uh, but if they lose Saturday, like the whole thing's over and everybody knows it. Um, but no, I don't think that changes. My expectation for this team is win a game in the tournament. And 
if it goes further than that, if you get the right draw, that's great. But, you know, Schiff, you and I have had this conversation. Like, I don't judge seasons on the tournament. It's too big of a crapshoot. It's, you know, I mean, I've seen 31-win teams lose in the first round, and I've seen, like, the worst team, the worst regular season Missouri's had in this century, they reached the Elite Eight. I, I mean, the worst in terms of expectations, not the worst. But, like, Quinn Snyder's team in, I think it was 2 they were awful. I mean, they went from preseason number five to the last team in the tournament. It was a terrible season, but then they won three games at the right time because they had the right matchup, and everybody thinks it was a great year, and, and I don't buy that. I mean, I'm not going to judge the whole season on four games. Yeah. The good, a good analogy is the Kentucky team that went to the finals against UConn. They were right. like the 8-9 seed, I want to say. 8 seed, yep. Very underachieving in the regular season, yeah. If memory serves, and the last time Mizzou won a uh, tournament game was that Elite Eight run with Damari Carroll. If, if I've still I, got my my stats right, I want to no, say. No, I think the next year, I think they beat Cincinnati in the first round. Um, That's right. Mike Anderson's last year, I want to yeah. say, right? Yeah, last year or second to last year. I, I can't remember. It would have been the second to last year because he was here five. And in the last year, they uh, – like they just they quit in the Big Twelve tournament and then they got run out of the gym by somebody in the first round and I'd have to I'd have to look back at who it was but like it was obvious at that point that something was drastically wrong and what was wrong was the coach was going to Arkansas but uh, no they, I'm pretty sure that it was Cincinnati they beat in 2010 because like every year about this time I do one of those days between dates to count up how many days it's been since Missouri last won an NCAA tournament game and we're nearing 4,000 I'm not sure if we're over it yet but we're near it. That's some really impressive math for an industry where we get joked well, on for not being able to do math. That's I'm, really well done on your part. I can multiply anything by 10, so, you know. 365 <laughs> days in a year, 10 years is 3650, so I, I don't know if we're quite to 4,000, but we're getting there. <laughs> That's true. I'm not as impressed anymore now that you explained yeah. it. Right. I am pulling for your boys on Sunday, Gabe. All right. I, well, uh, I, will, I will be keeping you in my thoughts for that, but win or pre- lose. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. Have a good one, Schiff. Yeah. All right. Alex Schiffer, uh, friend of the show, friend of the program, friend of the site. Appreciate the call. And, uh, again, it, it seems like every time I pop up a uh, pop up a comment, then we get a phone call. And so, uh, again, phone calls always take priority. We will we will jump on the phone line when it rings. Um, but uh, we'll get back. Uh, we were talking about Mark Smith with uh, David Newman's comment that he hit the biggest shot of the night. I I thought Mark had two or three really big shots in that in that game. There was one, um, I think it was sixty one fifty eight or something like that, and Mark hit the hit the little uh, drive and pull up from about fourteen feet. He had a three that was big. He t- he had a tie up on a, on a rebound of a free throw that swung the possession arrow back to Missouri, which would didn't end up mattering, but could have mattered. Um, you know, so I thought I thought Mark made uh, some pretty big plays late. Um, he had no turnovers, which is a huge thing for Mark Smith. And, you know, I I'm, I'm wrote in my postgame thoughts, which, again, aren't completely done, but I, I try to keep some notes and do some of it during the game. You know, we started this season. This goes back to kind of filling the roles. We started this season thinking Mark Smith's role might be leading scorer on this team or might be knockdown shooter, right? Well, that's not really the role at this point. His role has now become give us, like, two big shots a half, two two to three big plays. You're not going to be the guy usually. Now, there might be a night he scores 22, but he's not 
he's the fourth offensive option on this team right now behind Tillman, Pinson, and Drew. And so his role is come up big when we need you to come up big, even if it's not all the time. Or jump to the uh, phone line, 636. Who, who's on the line? Hey, Gabe, it's Justin. What's up, Justin? How you doing, man? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm hanging in. Uh, uh, you know, always always better to talk about a win. People seem uh, more interested in doing that. Yeah, I can't argue with that. Um, well, I just got a couple of uh, more comments, but I'm, I'm curious mm -hmm. your take on, on both of them. Because um, we talked about a little bit earlier in the show, um, the three-point shooting. And I think it's it's a little more of a trend than what most people kind of probably expect. Out of four out of the last five games, I just just happened to look back at it because your comments and they've shot over thirty eight percent in okay. four of the last five games. Now it doesn't have to be, you know, we don't have to expect forty percent going forward, but right. you know, we get closer to these to the tournament, some of the tighter games. If they can just be above thirty, opposed, you know, as opposed yeah. to the dreadful 25 they were at earlier in the year, you know, two, two, three of the game is, is a big deal coming down the stretch here. A hundred percent. Yeah. It doesn't have to be 50%, right? I mean, if, Hey, if they can be a 38% three point shooting team, as much as they drive and get to the line and Tillman causes problems, like that's good enough. I mean, Alabama actually, like people think Alabama is this great shooting team. Their percentage actually isn't very good. They just shoot so many of them. Uh, they, they, I looked it up a couple days ago. They average like 11 for 30. So that's right around 35%. If Missouri could just get to 35%, you'd be happy. It's the fact that they were hovering around 27 for so long. And so uh, you may, uh, I mean, hey, you looked up the numbers in four of the last five games. It, it's not a big enough sample size to convince me, but it is an encouraging sign. Yeah, right. It's just, uh, it's better than, you know, we were, we were looking for that the whole time, but yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and, and the other thing is just a little bit to touch on that is the, it's, it's so strange having to watch a team that just finds ways to win and expecting that without a, without having a, it's not that they don't have an identity. I think they do, you know, they try to have good defense. They try to, uh, you know, focus on the big three, having two of those three, you know, we kind of talked about all those things, but it seems like every night they just, are finding ways to win. And I'm just curious, do you think that's something that we can, at this point, count on? I mean, is it, is, are we to the point where we just are going to expect this team to find a way? Okay, let me let me answer that in a really stupid way. Yes, I, I think you that's kind of what you expect with this team now. But, like, it, it it's going to happen until it doesn't happen, right? And you just hope it doesn't ha not happen at the wrong time. I mean, I, I know that's a... I, I'm not articulating what I mean, but like, I don't know if that's a strategy, you know, um, just, right. Hey, I hope they find a way, but it, it, I'm going to, and it, everybody's going to be able to cross off on their bingo cards. Uh, me, uh, relating something to the Kansas city chiefs here, because for the last two years, really the last three years, I've been a football fan that watches a game and goes, well, I don't really know how my team's going to win. I just know they are. I don't know if it's going to be with a, a kickoff return or a punt return or the other coach is going to lose his mind and call a fake punt with a 24-7 lead or the wind is suddenly going to blow a field goal the wrong way. I don't know how. They're just going to win, right? And Missouri doesn't have that big of a sample size yet. They also don't have, you know, the best player in the sport on their team. But they are starting to develop a sense in watching them of, like, I, I don't know about you. I never felt like they were losing that game tonight. 
No, I, I agree 100%. And it's it's a crazy contrast from, you know, it wasn't that long ago we watched uh, just the absolute breakdown and complete opposite in Mississippi State. Right. But but tonight I didn't feel that way. You know, they they, they legitimately learned from that ball game yeah. and have, have it, now consistently figured out how to affect the game differently and win the game instead of lose it. And I thought it was telling that, like, Kentucky never even tied the game. I mean, I was legitimately surprised when I looked back at the end of the game and the last time the game was even tied was 3-3, two minutes and 35 seconds in. Um, you know, I mean, Missouri, it, they, they didn't – maybe that's what this team's identity is. They just do enough, you know, like you said. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not pretty. It's I mean, Drew Smith might be their best player, so maybe it's fitting. They do enough to win games. And uh, I, I guarantee you there's a, there's a team full of dudes flying back to Lexington tonight that would love to have that identity because they've got the exact opposite one. Yeah, absolutely. And every time they get it to three, we would it was two punches back from who they get to seven. So yeah, it was always right, seven well, or nine. Okay. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Every time, every time they get it to three, it was like it was it was two good plays. You know, it was a play stop and then a bucket. It it was pretty consistently they they just put it back at arm's length right away. So, yeah. um, yeah. Well, I appreciate your time, Gabe. Thanks for answering my questions and uh, have a good night. All right, Justin. Thanks for the call, man. Thanks for uh, for being part of the show. Appreciate it and. Uh, and hope other people will take your lead. Bob Douglas helping us out with the uh, with the super chat, which I'm supposed to contribute to uh, Mitchell's plane ticket to Buffalo to to go to a wedding with Bob. This is a uh, longstanding uh, thing on the show, and Bob appreciate that man. Appreciate you uh, not only watching but uh, but showing a little appreciation and, and tossing some stuff our way. So uh, let's go back to the uh, phone line. Who am I talking to? Five seven three area code. Uh, this is Mike. Hey, Mike, how you doing, man? What's going on? I mean, I do, not much, but just watching your show, like I always try to do. Uh, I appreciate. appreciate what you put into it. I, I join you on Power Mizzou all the time I have for multiple years. It's amazing. Appreciate that, man. But, Thank uh, you. But I'm uh, wanting to ask, because I've been here for a long time, and I've seen uh, Michael Sambody. That's the reason I actually started my Mizzou tickets. Okay. I went to school with his brothers. Okay. What do you think about him compared to Kobe? I think he is sort of the same player. Uh, dirty guy gets down there, does the rebounding, does all the other things, or, or not? I I can see the comparison. I think I think um, in the in future years, I think Kobe will take on a more offensive role. I think on this team, that's his role. And man, you're you are hitting you're hitting home with me with Mike Sambody. That dude was like my one of my favorite players growing up. I I loved watching him play because he was always on a team with with more talented and more athletic guys. But like they won games because he was on that roster. Um, oh, and and Kobe Brown there did wasn't that. A wasn't a rebound that got away from him, just like yeah. Demari Carroll. Wasn't a rebound that got away from him. Hundred percent. And Sam Bodie and, and Jeff Warren was another guy like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Um. Yeah. Kobe. He has played that role at times. He did on Saturday against TCU. I don't know if that's consistently his role, but he has become a much better rebounder this year. Um. I think he's got to be a much better defensive player to to be talked about with with guys like Sam Bodie well, and Warren. Yeah. Yeah, Mike. Yeah, Mike put himself out on the defensive side, and it came out on the offensive side on rebounding. And the, his offense was basically putbacks, or, right. or 
occasionally making 50% of free throws. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I mean, he w- he was a guy that he wasn't going to put up 15 points very often. He might do it once a year. But, um, you know, so I think Kobe's got a little more offensive game, maybe a little more skill in his game. Um, but uh, but he, I think right now on this team, that's kind of what Conzo asked him to do is just do the stuff that, that nobody else is uh, – I don't want to say willing to do, but you know, do do the dirty work, basically. Exactly. That's what I, I was just curious. I, I, I trust your opinion. I really actually value it, so I thought I'd call him that. Well, hey, anybody that values my opinion, you're always going to get on the show, man, because they're few and far between. <laughs> so I appreciate it, Mike. All right. Thank you very much, Gabe. All right. Have a good one, have Mike. Good Thank you. You do. Thanks for being part of the show to uh, to Mike and, and to the rest of you who have called in and, and invite, again, any of you who, who want to continue to be a part of the show to uh, to do so. Uh, Breakfast King, yeah, Jeff Warren passed away a few years ago. Uh, loved watching that dude play. Loved, uh, loved watching Mike Sambody play. I actually met uh, when I was in college. This is, It's story time here. I know you guys like story time on this show every now and then. So when I was a senior in college, I had a friend from uh, Hannibal. We went out to a local watering hole, which no longer exists. I believe it was Deja Vu, and we'd been there a while. And uh, she knew uh, she knew Greg Church, a, who I believe also was from Hannibal. I'm not sure, but anyway, we bumped into uh, we bumped into Greg Church and Mike Sambody, who at that point were were older. I mean, they were you know six seven years older than me, I think. So they were there, and I had, I'd had a, a beverage or, you know, many beverages, and shook both their hands, and I said, told Mike Sambody how much I loved him as a player, and went on for a couple minutes, and I was like, Greg Church, you're cool too, man, but Mike Sambody, you're the man, and then continued to praise Mike Sambody. So uh, I'm sure if Mike Sambody met me at this point, he would probably not remember that night um hopefully would not remember that night because I don't think he would be a huge fan of me uh on that night or going forward um and yes hot shoulders points out I did have a friend actually in college and like it was actually a female we weren't dating or anything I mean you know but um but yeah I had a few friends I mean not a lot but you know there were a few people I didn't even have to pay all of them uh so yeah we hung out and uh and it was good and uh yeah, and besides Tim McKernan, Hot Shoulders may be Tim McKernan. That seems like it would be Team X screen name, but uh, but appreciate uh, shouting back to my uh, my college days. And yeah, David points out that Sam Bodie is Parker Brown's uncle, and that is uh, that is true. Uh, Parker's mom uh, is uh, Mike Sam Bodie's sister, actually. Oh, Davin points out that Greg Church is from Palmyra, and he is right. I was wrong on the Hannibal call. Uh, we're going to 417 area code. Who's who's on the line? Yeah, this Mark. A quick question. Yep. I, I don't understand Ken Palm. You know, this rating system. Because right. I'm sitting there and looking, the zoos is fourth. And I see the teams ahead of them. Can somebody explain to me in February why we're still 34th? Because no. I don't get Like, Illinois is sixth. Right. And I don't understand. I... Is it because I know at one point they were talking about early season ratings? Yeah, it but, used to be. February. It's not that anymore. So, because I actually asked that exact question on, on Monday, and I said, somebody who knows more about this, please explain this to me, right? And here is the way it was basically explained to me, is that sites like Ken Palm 
are analyzing every game and every possession, and they are basically saying, okay, you are scoring X, whatever, 1.10 points per possession, giving up 1.3, blah, blah, blah. They are estimating what you should be based on what every possession is. And so basically what they're saying is Missouri should be, the based on the way they play and what the data says, they should be the 34th best team in the country. Now, clearly, on the court, Missouri is better than the 34th best team in the country, and it kind of goes back to what we were talking about a couple calls ago, which is a lot of these games, like, we think maybe they shouldn't win. We're not sure how they win, but they win. And that's what analytics can't account for that because analytics, the data tells them that Missouri shouldn't have won some of these games. But they did win. Right. And so, so – like Arkansas's Arkansas's 26th. Right. Is, yeah. is, is it because – is it just scoring differential? I mean, I, I just don't get it. But they're not part of the selection committee's criteria, right? No, the net ranking is – and Missouri came in today on the uh, – I think 30th in the net. So that that's part of it. Now, it's not the only thing they're going to look at. And most people who do these things think, as of today, Missouri would be a three seed, maybe a four seed. And I think that's fair. You know, somewhere between the yeah. the 10th and 20th best team in the country, I think is fair. I mean, it, you know, these Missouri is, is now seven and three in quad one and quad two games. 10 of their 14 games have been against basically what it equates to top 100 teams. And uh, yeah. they don't have any bad losses. And so a lot of those things are going – the resume is going to look really good for Missouri. The metrics might not look as good for Missouri. Um, and, it, again, I think we have become so much like you have to pick a side on this. Either you have to go by what your eyes tell you or you have to go by what the numbers tell you. And there's room for both. And my frustration with – with some of the analytics have have been people who don't kind of make room for, yeah, this doesn't equate with what my eyes see. So maybe these numbers aren't gospel. Right. Um, but there, there's room for both, but I think, yeah, basically what Ken Palm is saying is I can't really account for why this team is, has the record it has because the numbers tell me it shouldn't have this good a record. So does this mean the coach is really good or the players are overachieving? I think it means they've made big plays at the right times. You know, I, I mean, uh, if you look at, I, I don't know, look at, you can find a number of examples of a, a team that wins the World Series that, I don't know, their batting average isn't that good, their ERA isn't that good, all these things. And everybody tells you clutch hitting doesn't exist, but somehow they always get the the big hit at the right time, right? So right. it, it kind of like analytics say that clutch hitting doesn't exist. But maybe it doesn't, but how do you explain a team that's outperforming everything that that you think it should? So I, I think Missouri has those numbers a little bit fooled this year. Um, and, and whether, look, maybe those metrics will catch up, right? Maybe we'll find out at the end of the year. Yeah, you know the 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 bounce didn't go their way. The bounces had been going their way, and and it it caught them at the wrong time. Who knows? But I think that's where the difference is. Just even I think we've got a lot of people on here, and I'm saying it too. I, I look at them, and I don't think they're this good, but they continue to be yeah. this good, and I can't tell you why. 
Yeah. Last thing, and I'll get off. Uh, it's such a Missouri thing to have the best team we've had in 10 years, and we have a pandemic, and we can't have a full house. Yeah. It's only Missouri this would happen to. It, well, except <laughs> it's happening to a lot. Of, it's happening to everybody that has their best team <laughs> in mean, 10 years. But, I mean, this is our best ball club, and I'm a season ticket holder, and I opted yeah. out for next year. Just yeah, it I would be. Tonight would have tonight would have been uh, fun, and I know that Jim Sterk was uh, was not exactly thrilled that he had a football season where he had uh, Georgia, um, LSU, and Alabama come to town, and he couldn't sell tickets to any of those. But it is what it yeah. is, and hopefully we'll all be back next year, man. Thanks, kid. All right, Mark. Thanks, and we're gonna stay in the four one seven area code. Who's on the phone? Well. We were going to stay on the 417 area code. I don't know what happened there. Uh, both calls disappeared at the same time. So if you just tried to call me from the 417 area code, please call back. I'm not sure what happened there. When Mark hung up, we uh, we lost both calls. So we'll we'll jump right back to you uh, when you call back in and, and make sure to get to whatever other uh, incredible insight and knowledge we had coming our way from Springfield or Joplin or Buffalo or wherever it is you are calling from down that direction. So once again, Missouri, a 75. There is the call coming back through 417 area code. Sorry about that. Not sure what happened. Who am I talking with? Hey, Gabe, it's Tucker here in Joplin. Hey, Tucker, how you doing, man? What's going on? Hey, uh, doing good. Thanks. And I apologize. I haven't been able to watch much tonight uh, after the game. I had a couple of other things to do. So if this has been discussed, I apologize, but I want to bring up uh, the Cam Fletcher thing, and okay. I know you, you you get you guys probably get tired of reading about it on the board, but since he played against Missouri tonight, I think it's pretty relevant. And to me, like, and I know Cal's won a bunch of games and won won a national championship, but I, I mean that's pretty bad. I think like I think it's better if he doesn't play him at all than for him to put him in the game in a, essentially his hometown. I know that the, the fan situation is different because of COVID, but, right. and, you know, right down the road from his hometown and he puts him in the game for the first time in a while for like 20 seconds and then calls a timeout to take him out of there. Like, I mean, Cal can probably get away with that, but there's a lot of coaches like that. I mean, that, that to me is a terrible look in my, and I don't know what the yeah. kid did, but yeah. I, I, I know there was, there was like an on court kind of meltdown basically, and they got into it and I don't know exactly what happens, but happened either but it, it I was surprised when he came in the game tonight because like he hasn't played since then you know and I, I've just been uh, I, I kind of wanted to be able to get on the Kentucky Zoom but I obviously I just couldn't do it tonight but like here are some other comments that Calipari has made tonight on the UK radio network post game on Terrence Clark if you're limping around after five weeks and the MRIs and scans show nothing's wrong you can't play um, earlier he had uh I know that that he he was pretty harsh on on another player that I saw too, and I can't remember exactly who it was, but he was basically saying, "Yeah, I was really disappointed in in the way this guy played." I mean, it like you said, Cal can probably get away with it, but a lot of coaches who were do who say things that Cal says would would not get away with it. I mean, it's yeah. just, you know, that's that's all there is to it. I mean, I didn't think he'd play tonight. If he doesn't play tonight, like, I don't think it's a huge story because he hasn't played. But he plays for 10 seconds and you call a timeout to get him out of there. To me, that's way worse and a way bigger slap in the face to the kid than him just not playing. Yeah, I agree. And I honestly, I, I think I was, uh, I didn't notice that he yanked him after after that short of uh 
time. But yeah, it was, uh, I, I don't know. And you know, I, Oh, it was, uh, Cal was talking about, uh, Davion Mintz and said that putting, uh, putting him in pick and roll was questionable. And he kind of called himself out for it, but you're also calling the player out there. You're saying I asked him to do something that I know he's not any good at doing. Right. So, uh, right. <laughs> look, Cal is never going to be accused of, um, not saying what he feels. Um, and, yep. and I think to some extent you have, look, you signed with him. Like you got to accept that. Now that's sure. different than like you, you say, what he, what he did with Fletcher. And I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And, and I don't have any idea if Cam's going to go back there publicly. They're all saying the right things. And I hope for the kid that, that he, honestly, that he does stick it out and, and he turns into a good player and all that. Um, but if it's irreparable, uh, like I said on the pregame show, I would assume Missouri would at least take a look. I, I don't – you know, you'd have to know more about what was yep. going on before you said yes, but I would assume Missouri would at least take a look. Yep. So. Yep, I would have to think so. Well, all right, that's all I got for tonight, Gabe. Appreciate it, Tucker. Thanks for the call, man. Yep, thank you. All right, we'll talk to you. Uh, there's still got, got time. If you guys want to call, uh, Hey, earlier games, six o'clock games are much better than eight o'clock games. Cause I don't like getting done with this stuff at 1230. But if you want to call in, there's the number, but I've been telling you guys that I'm going to get to some of your comments, you know, for the entire night. And really we've just had enough phone calls that, that we haven't been able to do it. So I enjoy that you guys are, are chatting with each other, but I do want to, uh, roll through, uh, we, we've talked about Mark and Mitchell Smith. Steve says Brown has to stay out of foul trouble. We have to keep Mitchell Smith on the bench. And But, like, look, they don't win that game without Mitchell Smith. I, I mean, they don't. Um, you know, now, maybe if Kobe Brown's not in foul trouble, maybe he does what Mitchell Smith did tonight. But they don't win that game without Mitchell Smith tonight. 11 rebounds. Only I, – I think he had five points. Um, I'm, I'm going to look at the, the box score real quick here. And I will tell you, um, Mitchell Smith had five points. He was one of seven shooting and one of six from three, and he should never take six threes in a game. But he had 12 rebounds, two assists, two turnovers, a steal. He was plus three on the night. So, you know, again, they don't win without him. All right, going uh, back to the phones, 206 area code. Who's on the line? Hey, Gabe, this is P. Duff. What's up, P. Duff? How you doing, man? Uh, Johnny's Beanery fan. Oh man, I love those guys. I was really bummed to hear that that uh, place closed down, but uh, uh, they're great guys, and I loved your comment today about how you give them the sponsorship. That's funny. Absolutely, um, great place. Okay, I got a couple things. Number one, and I've thought about this a lot, and they were and the caller a while back was talking about how it's sad that we can't, you know, pack the place, and uh, and I totally agree with that. But on the other side of the coin is we've gone to a lot of away games and not had to deal with true you know those home environments and i, I was just gonna i just would would love to hear nobody really talks about that side of it but i'd love to get your kind of thoughts on that and number uh to my second question i'll hang up uh listen off air as it were um what what is going on with Alabama? I, I really haven't watched them that much. I hear that they're crazy three-point shooting team. You just mentioned that they're going about 11 for 30 per game. So mm -hmm. it's not like they're shooting 50%. What does Mizzou need to do to beat them um, on Saturday? And 
and what, uh, how do we match up against them? Like I said, I haven't really watched them that much, and I'm as surprised as anybody. Right. So with that, hey, man, thank you very much for doing the show. Really, really appreciate it. I haven't called in during the basketball season, but, I, but I've been listening, and I love it. Appreciate it, man. Thanks, thanks a lot for the call, P. Duff, and we'll definitely I'll take those in order for you. Um, so Love the, it. The, uh, the home court event, there is no, no sport in which home field or home court advantage means more than college basketball. There just isn't. Um, these places like Cameron Indoor and Rupp and even some of the ones you don't know about, like Missouri, like Hearns really was, or Thompson Bowling at, at, at Tennessee or Bramlage uh, or – uh, Gallagher Ibo when they're good. I mean, it, Hilton Magic. It, it, people just don't go and win in these places, and there's two reasons. First of all, I mean, you got anywhere between eight and twenty thousand people going absolutely nuts, and and that's a little rattling. But it also gets officials rattled and influenced. And like this idea, we've said it a hundred times. The idea that you're playing eight on five in Allen Fieldhouse, like that's a real tangible thing. Calls get made there that don't get made here. And things happen. Like Christian Moody, he makes one of those two free throws if he's in Allen Fieldhouse. He doesn't make them in Mizzou Arena. It, it is a very tangible. I mean, I really think it's worth, depending on the gym, I think it can be worth four to six points. Um, and so, yeah, not having to deal with that. Um, you know, obviously they lost at Auburn and Starkville. Um, A&M isn't generally the most intimidating place, but like when they go to Ole Miss, um, you know, or if they go to Georgia, Stegman Coliseum, like, you know, not having to deal with that absolutely is a factor. They they won at Wichita State. Who knows what that game is like in in normal times when they can pack that, that arena. So, yeah, I think it all evens out. Um, it's weird, you know, but I, I think – I think we're seeing in all sports, home field, home court advantage kind of doesn't exist this year, but it's even more noticeable in college basketball because it's normally just such an absolutely huge deal. As far as Alabama, look, I'm not going to lie to you and say I've watched Alabama play seven, eight times this year because I haven't, but I know how they play. And how they play, Nate Oates is their coach. He was actually Wes Clark's uh, high school coach in Michigan. Uh, Then got the Buffalo job. And went, then uh, that's why Wes transferred back to Buffalo and then took the Alabama job. He plays fast, and their entire approach is basically this. We shoot threes or we shoot layups. We don't shoot in between. So that's why they take 30 to 35 threes a game. Everything else is at the rim. That's the idea. Now, I'm not going to tell you that, that Alabama never takes a, a mid-range jump shot. I'm sure they do. But the general principle is threes, layups. That Those are good shots other things are bad shots right and and they're right I mean it makes a lot of sense so I think you've got to protect the rim and you've got to take care of the ball right you just if if Alabama only has 60 possessions and they go 11 for 30 from three-point range well then you know you can survive that that's their average game but if they have 80 possessions and they use 10 of the extra ones to take threes and they hit four of those. And then all of a sudden they're 15 for 40. So maybe the percentage isn't great, but 15 threes is going to win a whole lot of basketball games. So I think you've got a limit. You don't have to go. You don't want to get completely out of your game and walk the ball up the floor or anything, but you do have to limit possessions when you play Alabama and you have to take care of the ball. 
you know, you can't be kicking it around, turning the ball over 18 times. Or you could do what Missouri did against them last year and go 31 for 31 from the free throw line, which I think was uh, was very helpful. Um, let's see, kind of rolling through some of uh, trying to to see if I can catch up on some of these comments uh, from you guys. Um, a lot, a lot about Mitchell Smith shooting. It, it, it hasn't been good, um, certainly, but he did make a lot of plays. Um, you know that that helped win the game. And David Newman says, "Can't believe the biggest shot of the game was Mark Smith off the dribble." Yeah, wonders never, sh- never cease, right? I mean, hey, we uh, we thought maybe he couldn't uh, couldn't do that, but he did it, and uh, and good for him. Um, Let's see. Keep on rolling through. Uh, Tillman didn't have a great night, but we were worthless without him. He was very important. I And I want to look at the plus minus. I think he was plus eight. He was. He had the best plus minus on the team. He was plus eight. Uh, Javon Pickett, oddly, had the second best plus minus at plus seven. I would not have guessed that. And we didn't have a chance to ask Conzo after the game, uh, you know, how he, he was health-wise. I'm I would assume it's not super serious and he'll be back next game, but but I don't know that for sure at this point. Um, Bama has the SEC wrapped up, but it would be nice to beat them. I'm, I'm not going to say they have it wrapped up. They definitely do if they win. Um, they probably do anyway, but, you know, um, we'll see. Uh, going back to what we were talking earlier uh Okay, Spencer Tumbleson corrects me on Missouri's last tournament win. It was Cincinnati that beat them. They beat Clemson the year before in the first round. So Cincinnati beat Missouri in Mike Anderson's last game. The year before that, they had beaten Oliver Purnell and Clemson in the first round. So that's it. I think it was in March of 2010. So I think we're going on 11 years now. Uh, Let's see. I know – what I wanted to get to, and I can't find the comment, but I think it was Breakfast King of Loyola earlier said, I really like the way Missouri's schedule sets up going forward after Saturday. So here's what they've got after Saturday. The, Alabama on Saturday. So if you win that, you're 13-3, and 6-3 and three in the league. If you lose it, hey, you're 12-4, you're squ- uh, and 5-4 and four in league play, which is, you know, that's all right. But then you're at Ole Miss next Tuesday. Uh, next Wednesday. Then you host Arkansas, a team you've already beaten. You're at Georgia. You're at South Carolina. You host Ole Miss, and you host A&M. Guys, that's got a real chance to be 6-0. and Now, I, I think law of averages says maybe Missouri trips up one in there, but but the that should minimum be 5-1. and one. So even if you lose the Alabama game, you go 5-1 and one in that stretch, you're looking at 17-5, and five, 10 and 5 in the league with uh with Florida and then the two makeup games left. That's that's pretty good. Like Missouri's the soft spot, soft spot in Missouri's schedule is coming up after Saturday. And Missouri really needs to make hay there and 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 just lock up that top 4 seed. Again, top 4 seed in the league, win a game in the tournament. Whatever happens after that is gravy. I, and I'm not saying you'll necessarily be satisfied with it, but that's the goal. That's that's clear proof that this program has moved forward. And, um, you know, I, I think uh, I think that is uh, that's what we're looking at. That's that's where this team is is trying to get. So to to wrap it up real quick um, and, and appreciate all you guys who have been here, who have have 
hit the like button, who subscribe to the channel, who take part in the show, whether it's in the chat or on the phone lines. Uh, the uh, the show is much better with you guys doing all that. So uh, do appreciate all you guys being here. Appreciate one more time Burger Smokehouse for for being such a big part of it and making everything we do here possible by sponsoring the show. Um, once again, you can get their stuff online at smokehouse.com. You can get it in person at grocery stores across the entire state of Missouri. I got some today. I went to I went to two different grocery stores. They both sold it. Schnooks has it. Hy-Vee has it. Most other grocery stores in the state of Missouri have it. So check out Burger Smokehouse, smokehouse.com if, if you're out of state and, and you can't get it in the store. Um, but make sure to support them because they do support us. So just kind of to wrap up, Drew Smith, sneaky great, like the uh, middle-aged white guy that's hit, that hits jump shots at the rec center. Mitchell Smith, 12 rebounds, should never shoot a three again. Mark Smith came up with big plays at the right time. Jeremiah Tillman. Only eight points, still the most important player on the floor. Kentucky does enough to lose every game. Missouri does enough to win every game. We honestly don't know why. We don't know if they're this good, but they keep winning. And they're 12-3. Uh, and three. And they're in second place alone in the SEC with the conference, I'm not going to call them champion yet, but the conference leader coming to town for a nationally televised 11 a.m. game on Saturday. So what that means is pregame will start at 10. Postgame should be 1.30-ish. We will be here with you for the Tigers and the Tide on Saturday afternoon. Thanks a ton to all you guys for being here and uh, taking part in the show. And Hump says it, beat Bama. And uh, there you go. That's a good way to wrap it up. So thanks for watching, guys. Uh, Mitchell Forty has plenty of stuff on the site. I'm going to post Conzo's video, and we'll have other stuff as well. So we will uh, catch up with you Saturday and hope you read everything uh, leading up to then. Thanks a lot. Have a good night.